Your car doesn't get much of a summer break. Bugs, UV rays, and pollen can all cause damage. Stay protected at WetGo with WeatherShield and a free month of unlimited washes. Just purchase your first month of WetGo Go Unlimited and your second month is free. Wash as many times as you want. And when you choose our all-weather or showroom pass featuring WeatherShield, you'll say bye-bye to bugs all summer long. Sign up today at getgocafe.com slash unlimited. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast. Uh, the Gold Coast Suns show by fans for fans. I'm your host Shane. Joining me on the line is Tom. How's it going, Tom? G'day, Shane. How are you going today? Yeah, good. Um, it, it's a bit bit disappointing being a Suns fan, isn't it? Uh, having to put up with performances like what we saw on the weekend. Uh, there were moments of brilliance, moments of um, shining light, uh, especially with the Neeful, and we'll get into that later. But it's this time of year, every year, that we have to put up with uh, what we would call uh, a bit of a grind. Um, the video game players amongst us, those that jump on Fortnite and Apex Legends and the such, would certainly know what that grind is and constantly just doing something for the sake of something good at the end um and that's kind of what sun supporters are putting themselves through watching the suns play every single week uh, it's certainly i, I got to admit the last couple of weeks where I've, I've tuned out because of my eye injury uh hasn't been as big of a problem football wise i uh, i don't think i missed it a single bit uh, but it's that time of year where everything just sorts of dies down. I mean, we've noticed in our um, advertising and our marketing on the Facebook just how little people we are sort of reaching at the moment. Not too many fans are, are sticking on around to, to pay attention to the show, and I'd imagine that's the same with the Suns as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, the you've built it in the, in the lead-up as... Uh... Your your uh, cynicism and my optimism. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look. I, I, I made I, like you. I made a conscious decision to leave my previous football team and and be a Sun supporter. And at the time, I knew what I was putting myself in for because I knew it would be a few years of of uh, pretty frustrating kind of footy. And then you know we had our had our sort of uh, our false dawn. In 2014, thought that thought that finals were, were going to happen sooner than later, and there's been a couple of seasons since then where you know you sort of get to the middle of the season and there's still some hope. Um, this year, I don't think anyone expected us to be much chop, and we haven't been. But I think there's still quite a few encouraging signs there to see, and certainly my interest hasn't waned as far as the lose losing. You know, it's attrition really. Um, and then, you know, good news generally it gets followed up by bad news and then worse news. But I, 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 uh, I actually had a pretty good weekend up leading up to the AFL game. The Allies result and especially the way the Suns Academy guys went in that game 
and also the Nefal result, which was a terrific game and gave me lots of hope for the future. And then against the Swans, the second half just made it all see what what kind of mountain we got to climb. Yeah, it it doesn't feel any closer than what it did a year ago, didn't it? Despite what was mentioned by one of the commentators during the game, how last year's average losing margin from the Suns was around 50-odd points, and this year they've got it down to about 30 points. Uh, the same commentator also mentioned that the, the Suns are a creation of the AFL, and what have the AFL done wrong? Because teams go bad, but... But, but every other team except for the, the Giants, who we are obviously measured against, who, who we know got you know significantly more advantages than us for no explicable reason other than the fact that they come from an area that has a larger potential population. But that's rubbish anyway, because South East Queensland has a massive population and it's the fastest growing area in the country. And also North Queensland is part of our zone. So, look, uh, you know, the AFL's got to do something. The commentators who are we talking about here, uh, no deals, guys like Alistair Lynch, who has seen close up what what the Gold Coast is, is, is facing and uh, and can see that there are genuine fans. Um, I think in, a little bit in the media during the week about um, on, on SEN, a couple of, couple of guys like um, Mike Sheehan and, and Kevin Bartlett, who have been around for a long time, and they're very impressed with the way that the Suns have turned things around, and especially with the player drain to come back and actually achieve a bit of success and to be able to sort of grind out games and show that there's there's a new style which is yet to you know really yield the results, but it's it's encouraging for such a young team. It's only going to get better. And then you get the morons in the in the press who keep on cracking on that the Suns should be dissolved and the franchise should be given to Tasmania. All in the same week. I mean, I, I prefer to go with the the old heads who who could have been following it the whole time, and they can see that there's 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 a lot of uh, you know a lot of good news happening on on the Gold Coast. And of course, you know when we watch our younger players who are eighteen and nineteen, and they lose to a really experienced team like Sydney, who average age wise was about the same, and there were a lot of reasons to to sort of think that maybe we'd have a chance of winning the game, especially with last year's game as a comparison. But realistically, going to Sydney, like there aren't that many teams that are confident of, of a win going to Sydney. So, and, not, and only, a, you know, a few each year come away with a win. So it wasn't us, you know, onto the home game. We happen to be playing Richmond who play a bit of a similar style to, to, to Sydney, so it looks a bit bleak. But think back to that first half where a few more opportunities that if they'd been capitalised on, then might have gone in with a with two or three goal lead, which might have changed the story at the end of the game. Yeah, uh, look, it, it's been nine years of poor performances at the Suns. With like you said, there was that blip in 2014. I just wonder how long fans can hold on for. Uh, it, it's those that jumped on board at the start either have a, a, a primary team and the Suns are their second team or they've switched from having a team, myself being Adelaide, yourself being Brisbane and following the Gold Coast Suns as their primary team. It's very hard to sit here and watch my former team perform 
And I'd say it'd be the same for you watching Brisbane perform as they have this year and wonder why the Suns aren't anywhere near. They're still, like, now they're on the bottom of the ladder. It's Is it the first time we've been bottom? Well, it's the first time we've been 18th. I, I dare say we might have briefly occupied 18th. Remember, we, 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 came, we were the 17th team to come in, and we came 17th in the first season. And GWS were the 18th team, and they came 18th in their first couple of seasons. Okay, so that, that and, first season in 2011, we still came 17th. Well, th- that's the only wooden spoon we've okay. had. Which I, is, I, yeah, I, I can't remember that far back. Win. Yep. Yeah, it's a small win. We've come 17th plenty of times. One of those times it was 17 out of 17, but the other times, the other three times, have been 17th out of 18 teams, and the other times have been better than 17th. So, you know, I think I think there's something there. I mean, if, if teams that have been around and have had all of these, all the advantage of having, you know, lots of members and, and, and playing in front of large crowds and, you know, teams, teams like Collingwood in the West Coast... They've they've had recruitment for you know as much as fifteen years. That's a you know the, guys like um, guys who are going running around who are 34, 35, 36 who are still playing A grade football. They were recruited such a long time ago, and the Suns just haven't got anywhere near that depth of recruitment. We our oldest players that were first recruited when we were first building the list before we were even playing AFL football are twenty seven. We've got players in their 30s, but they're players we had to draft in. It's going to take a few years before we've got depth of players who we drafted and we developed from the very first who were just immersed in Suns culture to be able to, to sort of really compete for that premiership flag. I really believe that we're not going to win it next year, but we could push for finals if the third year of Stuart Jew's plan comes to fruition very disappointing if it doesn't happen look at a side like the demons so many years in the doldrums they had one year up in the finals and now they're they're, they could finish last they're a strong chance of the wooden spoon because they they have to have to play carlton and 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 the suns you know potentially going to win another couple of games so you know it's it's not like we're the only 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 team that's really struggling it's no, just hard I, to always be that team. I, I struggle to see how the Suns are going to win another game this year. But, you know, f- anything can happen. As we saw on the weekend with Carlton beating Fremantle, I didn't think that would happen, especially with Cripps out. But something I want to put out to our, our live listeners, let us know what you think about or how you're going following the Suns. It's been nine years of poor performances. And also, it, I know it's a try that... Um, debate but what can the AFL do to fix up the Suns have they done enough should they do more or should they just acknowledge that they screwed up in the first place and what's done is done and you know leave the status quo Uh, I'd like to thank our Patreon donors Old Soul, Jack's dad Paul Vosti, Tom Kim, Chris Moore and James Wood for their continued support of the GC Suns cast We would love more people to jump on board and help support the show. Uh, It's times of the year like this where it's a real struggle as a Suns fan to want to get up and pay attention to the club, uh, let alone 
put together a show for other Suns fans, uh, it's it's certainly challenging this time of year trying to find content that keeps people interested and keeps people absorbed. And the thought that we've got the financial support and also the the vocal support of fans through our Facebook page and listening to us, talking to us, really encourages us to keep moving on. So it's very highly valued and we thank you all for your support. Um, all right, Tom, well, let's get into some of the news this week. So we've got some serious injury news come through today. Sam Collins is out for the season with a, with his ongoing hip issue. It doesn't sound like the hip has healed up as as much as the doctors were hoping, and therefore it means he's out for the rest of the season as they try to manage the workload and uh, get him right for next year. So that's a, it's a terrible news for the Suns. He was one of our key players in our first few few weeks, uh, mm. essentially winning us the game against Fremantle in round two. Yeah, look, I I, I really uh, I really feel for Sam. Um, you know, he's come from from having a gutted out in the VFL and and you know get a get a get a full time job to keep you know keep his hopes alive. But uh, I reckon that this sort of uh, the language around this is to sort of say, look, the the treatment that we've we've given him means that he's not on track to return anytime soon. And so we're now we're now we're taking another much safer route, and that is to to sort of decondition because these these players are finely tuned. They put in a whole preseason, they train every week. They're really they're really you know the the sports science behind it is just mind blowing. And so to basically run his run his muscle tone down and to keep him keep any pressure off and it's a hip you know it's a really a, a weight bearing joint and you know I've got a bit of a bad hip just from you know being really active as a younger person and 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 I know what it's like you you sort of have to when it when it flares up you have to just take all, all weight off it and of course it has you know secondary effects like your you know your back and and all the rest of it so I can sort of see what's, what's what's sort of going on here, and I don't I don't think that they you know I, I don't think that a, a finals bound team would be doing this. A finals bound team would would be you know trying to get him to, to to get back maybe in five or six weeks, but we're we're just saying look just just suspend all hope. You, you're gonna you're gonna basically go into your off season now, and then you're gonna have to have rehab. And then he'll be he'll be ready and ready to go with the fittest of the the fit blokes in the preseason, and he'll come back better than ever. Because I mean, I'm not saying that in a yeah, it's not great. Player, but... I mean, we've got uh, Holman as well out indefinitely with a back issue, and that's going to cause some serious uh, concerns as well. Because the way mm. that back issue has happened, uh, that was a big issue for him in the preseason. Yeah. And from from experience, back injuries don't just go away, especially when it's stress related in the back. That's something it's a very, he's very, very, very complex sort of part of your your, your anatomy, and, and uh, a lot of like the the reason it hurts so much is that the, the, there's so many nerves and, and and other things going on there that they all pull and push, and and, and, and you know it must be agony for the poor guy. I'm surprised he got through half a season and played the level of footy that he did because he he's one of our quiet achievers who doesn't always blast away on the stats, but he but he certainly 
he certainly does the job each week, and we really missed him. Yeah, and we've got some good news, though. So it's not all doom and gloom with the latest injury report. Uh, Sean Lemons is a test, and he should return, hopefully, in the NEFL this week. So that's good to see that. And we also have Bose and Ainsworth only three weeks away. So yep. that's great news to see those blokes hopefully coming back and playing a part in the last quarter of the season. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, obviously, obviously, we're really, you know, we can't wait for 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 Bose and and Ainsworth to come back because they they're just guns, and they'll come straight back into the AFL team. Don't don't worry about that. Um, the, the, the Sean Lemons, I don't know where we're going to fit him in our forward line in the NFL. <laughs> he might go into the midfield, uh, and uh, and I, th- I think a few of his opponents will be be, be sort of uh, you know just waiting, bracing themselves because he Sean Lemons loves to hit people. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in the AFL team reasonably soon himself. So really, really good news. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's talk about the NFL, and it was a great result for the Suns. It, it was indeed. It was a bit of an up and down affair. The, the Suns were trying to make a bit of a statement in the first quarter, and uh, by making that statement, they kind of didn't really get their avenues to goal, uh, and that took a little while to sort of warm up to that. But basically, winning through the middle uh, against some really, really top-notch Sydney opponents. I mean, the, the Swans are, are, are a pretty deep club from from the first pick down to the, the the bottom of their list, and they had a lot of AFL listed players who were in good form and looked ready to rip us to pieces. But really pleasingly, the the Suns forward line in the second quarter just came to life. Josh Corbett was amazing. Um, he was grabbing onto everything that was kicked his way. But most pleasing was that players were looking for him and honouring his leads. And he was catching everything from a, a, a chest mark on a long lead to a pack mark right above his head that he, you know, against players who were taller than him and more than one of them, you know, trying to knock him out of the contest. Just loved it. And then at half time, when things sort of looked like the Suns might have a chance of the, winning the game, you could sort of see that there were other players who were looming. Connor Nutting came out and kicked three goals in the third quarter alone. Corbett kept kicking goals, ended up with six in the end. Um, Isaac Rankin was the guy who we were we were looking for. Ended up with ten touches and probably had had uh, an involvement in about four or five of those goals. Um, pretty quiet, really, but overall. But but when he did get the ball, geez, classy. He's, that, 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 that article about him, how, how classy he is, um, they're, not, they're not exaggerating. He, uh, all the players know how good he is. The public's about to find out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The Gold Coast Suns play Redland this week. Uh, I believe it is Saturday. It's probably actually the precursor game to the Suns-Richmond. Uh, so if, if you're interested... Get along early to this Metricon game and get a glimpse of Isaac Rankin playing in the NEFL because I highly doubt he's going to go straight into the AFL. He was on limited minutes in that NEFL game and only played about 60%. Um, but let's finish up with the NEFL. The Gold Coast Suns defeated Sydney 105-77. to Corbett kicked six goals. Andrew Swallow pulled on the boots again with three. 
<laughs> Nutting had three goals, Murdoch two goals, and Rankin one. Um, it should it should be said that uh, Spitter, he uh, who which was which the was what all the uh, the players were, were shouting out. Spitter, Spitter, Spitter. Um, two of his goals were free kicks, but he you know he, he was playing he's playing hard footy, which he always did in his AFL career, and and he earned them. And he was in the middle getting clearances all day. So, yeah, he he looked like he was having heaps of fun. I hope he pulls the jersey on again because we we didn't miss Risha because Spitter played. So, yeah, good good fun game to watch. The the defense was spectacular. The best player on the ground was Jordan Murdoch. Really hope he gets a recall this week because we could really use a big left-footed, physical, pacey winger. Yeah, well, the AFL site has a weekly who's next in line sort of article. And this week they talked about the performances of George Holland-Smith and Aaron Young. Now, I've seen you've had a different perspective as the uh, reporter that wrote the article on those two players. You Mm. weren't impressed with their performance, Tom? Well, I mean, let's talk about Aaron Young first. Um, he he had a decent game. It wasn't a banging the door down for senior selection game by any stretch. His his numbers at the end of the game look all right, but the vision of him in the in the in the final quarter, which it, it must be said, um, the Swans probably had had a uh, had had a few cracks at trying to bridge the gap, and it, the quality of, of of the Suns meant that it was a decent gap in the end, but. The, the, the Swans did kick five goals in that final quarter and guys like Aaron Young were out on their feet and, and just not not able to finish the game strongly. Um, whereas George Hall and Smith couldn't get into the game for the first half and he did finish the game strongly, but that doesn't that's equally poor. You know, like we, we were behind on the scoreboard until the third quarter. So I don't think that I, I think whoever's written this article they haven't watched it. Um, a lot of people who write about the knee full don't watch it. They just go and look at the stats and, and get and check up with a few people. Um, Holland Smith and Young probably wouldn't have even been in my top five for that knee full game. Um, Jacob Heron, Jacob Dawson were both tremendous as they usually are. Um, the defense was really good, especially the tall defenders like. Uh, Jack Leslie and Chris Burgess and Caleb Graham, they were linking up. There was one time when the, 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 they linked up by handball, went right, because the game, the, the, the ground they're playing on isn't the biggest AFL ground. It's in, it's in Blacktown. So they, they, they hooked up along the back line and, and got it out to, to, to Murdoch, who just went racing down the wing, like four or five bounces, and then and he's popped it up and it, it ended up being a goal. And coast to coast, just... Just good stuff. The stuff you you kind of expect the senior side. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com. And find your sweet spot. To be capable of, because we do have a good back line and they are confident of kicking the ball to each other, but we just don't seem to switch it up that much. And we don't, don't really have any pacey threats except Jordan Murdoch back from injury, uh, 20-odd touches, couple of goals. He he was really goal square to goal square 
uh, along the wing, and that's what you want in a winger. And we suspect Jordan Murdoch, sorry, Jordan Murdoch will find his way straight back in the senior side uh, this week when they take on Richmond. Um, so let's move on to the AFL side. Sydney, 14 goals, 9, 93, defeated Gold Coast Suns, 7 goals, 9, 51. McPherson, the only multiple goal scorer for the Suns with two goals. Um, and a lot of perform- players were, were down on their usual performance. It was very hard to, to watch the game. Uh, now, I know the Suns this year have been playing a more contested, slower, um, con- contested, uh, congestion sort of game. But this game was just a, a lot harder to watch in general. Uh, the first quarter wasn't too bad. The Suns managed to kick away early and then Sydney caught up. Then the Suns got another one. Sydney got another one. It's sort of changing, uh, trading blows there. But it, it just didn't really seem to click out of uh, third gear for the Suns. Uh, and then in the third quarter, Sydney went straight into fifth gear. Yeah, I didn't see it exactly the same as you've seen it. Uh, look, I think that overall, yes, the, the Swans did have another gear. But I thought I kind of thought that the Swans were kind of lucky to go into halftime in front. I thought the Suns were the better, the, the better team. Um the, particularly when midway through the second quarter, the Suns got two goals in a row, which is usually a pretty good indicator that things are, are, are happening, right? And then very quickly, the Swans got two goals back, and you were just like, that's a bit of a wasted opportunity because, you know, getting that third or maybe a fourth goal, but the Swans were very, very determined in the middle to, to, to you know, get that, take advantage of that 6 6 6, and, and we were exposed. Um, and that's what happened thought, in the preseason when Gold Coast played Sydney in one of the JLT games. We got yeah. smashed in that middle because of that six 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 rule, and it yeah. really, really showed us up. I mean, I think Sydney went on a, a scoring spree in that game of nine un, unanswered goals. Uh, and yeah, that that is a part of what happened. But considering Sydney were missing their primary ruckman for a majority mm. of that game so not only that they were missing that they were one short on the bench with their rotations mm. the suns for a majority of that game should have been able to match it and then they shouldn't have faded as much as what they did i actually think that the the ruck thing it sounds weird but the ruck thing it kind of ended up being a, a at times, obviously not in the ruck contests themselves because the Suns just, you know, dominated that. Um, but actually, and I mean, you know, the ruck replacements that they ended up having, they weren't terrible. They just weren't wits. Um, and I don't know why we kept it. We, we, we put Peter Wright back in the ruck. What the hell was... Like, Wright was on fire for looking at scoring goals in the first half. And as usual, they've tired him out by sending him through the ruck, and and then he you know he, he couldn't stick marks and like that. but Sam Day's there to be the backup ruckman and to wear out their backup, and what we needed was to put Sam Day 
on Aaliyah Aaliyah and to do his best to follow him around the ground because what was happening was Aaliyah Aaliyah would go straight from the, the centre ruck or straight from the stoppages and then go uh, and, then, and then go to where the, the action was at and Jared Witts just couldn't play on him. He could win the tap on him but he couldn't defend against him. So they turned it, it was quite, you know, it was a necessity that did it. Um, there were, I think there was a, a couple of other games over the weekend that had similar things where the, the number one ruckman went out and that team ended up winning the game. It's a, it's it's kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? You, do you send in a Shane Mumford-sized ruckman who can be useful around the ground or do you play a Wits-type ruckman who can get 45, 50, 60 hit-outs and then you lose... So many games in I a mean, row. You, you, you make a good point there because the current mid-strategy when we win the ruck contest is to drop the ball straight to ground, create the contest. But essentially, with Sydney losing Sinclair and then turning a Lear Lear into their ruckman, they mm. had a essentially an extra midfielder. A Lear Lear is a very yeah. mobile, agile player. And... Yeah. It just played into Sydney's hands with that strategy because they'd have Aaliyah Aaliyah pretty much there straight away to to grab the ball or to be a runner and be on the outside, as we saw on a couple of occasions, to move the ball forward for Sydney. Uh, You'd almost almost prefer them to have like a a ruck rule where if the player goes up unopposed, it's a free kick. Because ever since forever in the AFL... It's two ruckmen against each other, and a lot of the time, what was happening was Aaliyah Aaliyah or or, uh, or Reed would would go up sort of late or half-heartedly in the ruck contest and create that extra ground person. So, if you've got a big, you know, a big six foot eight bloke who's who's not going up, and then you know he's 105 kilos, so he goes bullocking through the the midfielders and ends up with the ball or affecting the clearance. It's it's not right, and that's a lot of a lot of teams do 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 that against wits, and you know if that's a if that's a way to to win, then it's within the rules. But I don't know that it should be. Mm. Yeah, well, all right. Well, there's a lot of other things that weren't great. Uh, what I actually turned the game off halfway through that fourth quarter. Uh, watch the rest later on. I was just so furious with the performance. Uh, the amount of turnovers in that second half was disgusting. Watching yeah. players essentially hand the ball to a Sydney player on a silver platter, they were handballing directly to some of these Swans players. Yeah, uh, it wasn't it, pretty. It a was lot, the, the disposal great. efficiency was very poor. Um, and it wasn't like it was a wet night. Um, I know it, was it a had bit been dewy. wet. In there was, Sydney, there but... was, you could see, you could see that it was a bit dewy. But if the other team can can stick the marks and stick the hand passes, why, you know, why can't our team? Yeah. So it it was a really disappointing effort, and I think a week ago I wouldn't have had any expectation on the Suns for this game. Uh, mm. I was actually very scared about what Franklin could do to us with our our lack of defenders. But he was a withdrawal uh, due to a hamstring. And as the game got closer, teams were announced. And we saw on paper that the Suns and Sydney actually matched up quite evenly. Um, they do. They, yeah. Same age group, same amount of games of experience. 
Um, it looks like if Gold Coast had a chance of, of getting a win anytime soon, this would be the game, considering what they did last yeah. year as well. Yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't to be, and that's probably why it was just so disappointing, because hopes got we got our hopes up and we thought we were a chance, and in the end, it wasn't anywhere near it. Uh, we put in two good quarters, and I'd argue the other two quarters were, were bang average. One of the things that the Suns are yet to are yet to really produce, but I think it's in the production line, is a player like Jordan Dawson, who is is renowned as the best kick in the kneeful, and on a small, admittedly it's, it's a small sample, but on his AFL form, he is almost he's elite at his kicking efficiency. And Jordan Dawson against us was just picking our defence apart by finding targets 45, 50 metres away and hitting them on the chest. He he ended up being their, their second highest possession getter as well, which is sort of for the position he was playing. They were finding him, putting him in space and, and trusting him to be able to kick it across our, our, our midfield and into our forward line, which our defenders, when when when, it, when you've got a, a really a really good midfielder or, or, or halfback who can kick it a long way accurately, they can put it to the advantage of the player they're kicking to, and it's hard to defend against. And we saw it time and time and time again. The, the, the commentators picked it up early, and, I, and every time I saw it and I heard them say it, I was like, oh, no, Dawson's got the ball, we're stuffed. He... And he's been playing Neeful for three years. So they've uncovered a couple of... And the other guy they had was James Rowbottom. He, he's on top of the Neeful best and fairest by a mile. He, he possibly will win it without playing any more Neeful games. Um, not, not exactly that far in front. So they've, they've, they've got really good talent to call on. And I think we do too, but... We've we've still we, we had a we had a couple of passengers. Yeah, uh, um, look that that Dawson from Sydney that you're talking about. Yeah, I yeah. really rated him, and yeah. I was quite I wouldn't say devastated, but I wasn't far off it when I heard the news during the week that he'd re-signed with Sydney for two years. Yeah, because I thought well, this he is what was they a prime do. They target. Really, they that, really push their players in the in the kneeful, and they just say, "Look, you're going to get you're going to get the first grade spot eventually." But you're just going to have to stick it out and stick it out and just keep showing us that you can really play this top-level footy and, and fix the things up in your game so that when they do come in, there's no difference. Yeah, They can, I, they can I, lose an A-grader and he will still do the job. Yeah, I thought he was a prime target for the Suns to go after. Um, with yeah. Stuart Juice connections to Sydney, I thought yeah. uh, we were a real shot at getting a bloke like him. Uh, yeah. Offering him more more midfield time, and unfortunately, he's decided to stay at Sydney for another two years. And yeah, we saw w- what he's capable of on the weekend. So that was yeah. that was just another a double blow there for for me. All right, can I can I ask you a question? Could you tell me who was the most who had the best? Disp- did you, I mean you might have it in front of you, but who had the best disposal efficiency of the Suns off the top of your head? Um, Homsch. 80% five disposals. You've got it in front of you. Would you have said that if you didn't know that? Would no. you have look at, looked at Lacocious, Powell, Ellis and Brody as being the most effective with the ball in their hands? 
No, I wouldn't. Um, and that's what I wanted to get into next. The yeah. uh, I've based. It was really hard to pick a, a top three for mine this week. Uh, not too many standouts. I thought a lot of players that normally get high possessions had um, had poor games by their standards. Mm. So my top three is more of the players that I thought played above themselves or showed another level that we haven't seen before. So my first one is for Ellis. Ellis had awesome. 21 disposal, 71% disposal efficiency. I think he's in his two games, he's had over a combined 40 disposals. And yep. that, that's pretty impressive. I don't think he's put those numbers up to four when he was at Richmond. So we're really seeing what he can do. And based on his disposal efficiency, he, he knows how to use the ball. So it's really good that we've got him coming at the back half. And hopefully we actually see him migrate into the midfield a bit more. Uh, he probably, he probably isn't doing it this year because he had a interrupted preseason. So, but next year, hopefully, he gets that preseason in, uh, builds up that tank, and we see him going through the middle more because uh, he is capable of being that midfielder. And if we that, can, that's his that's his best position. He's he's slumming it in the back line. Uh, it's helped our back line. Uh, don't forget, we you know we, our back line's pretty sharp this year. They're, they're not allowing massive massive scores or huge margins. And he slotted in nicely when, when injury sort of required someone to step up. Yeah. Pretty pretty happy with him. I've got him for two points, but but uh, for, for one point, and it's probably more of a, a little bit generous, let's say, because it wasn't a four-quarter performance, but it probably reflected the, the whole team's performance. And I've got Jack Lacocious for, for a point, uh, for three points, sorry, um, purely because he just started the game just so well. It was, it was so good to see him taking marks, being super confident, contested marks, and just being that player who could just go out and just, just belt the ball 55 metres to it onto the chest of a running player. We don't have defenders who can do that, and there are other teams who do, like West Coast with, with Jeddah. Um, we need a, and Heard. We need players in the back line who can take marks and then get it out of there. And he was doing it really confidently. Unfortunately, it wasn't a four-quarter performance, but a real sign of what we can expect. And how, how good is he since we've yeah. chucked him back? Yeah, he's great. Uh, I had him down for two points, so he was my next uh, next in line. Uh, old Soul on the chat as well says he loved the look, at him, look, at, look of him at half-back. And that actually is something I've been thinking about for a while now. We drafted Ben King with the aim that he was going to be a defender to eventually replace Stephen May. Uh, it seems like Ben King struggled with, obviously, being a, a young kid in his first year of AFL to play key defence in the JLT games. Uh, mm. So shortly after, they moved him forward, and we've seen him at AFL level show he has what it takes to be a forward. Now... Mm. That's all great, but then I, I'm worried that we've lost that defender that we needed. Um, mm. Maybe Jack Lacocious is the answer. Maybe he's yeah. that gun centre-half back. And, um, you know, we drafted him as a forward, a centre-half forward, and maybe centre-half back is his position. He looks so comfortable down there, so natural, and he is one of the best kicks in the competition. Um 
Yeah, he's so, so using the ball when he's so accurate. He's up. Yeah, he's a confidence player. You know, we've we've got the uh, South Australian trio of Homsch, um, Ballard, and Lacocious down there. Yeah, well, we could. They're dominating. McLennan, McLennan might get up from the kneeful in the next few weeks. Uh, maybe we we go for an all South Australian backline. We, we can uh, maybe we maybe we do that for. Uh, Maybe for, maybe for let's wait till Har- maybe <laughs> let's wait till Harbs and Hanley retire. Um, okay. All right, well, Sam Day's another one who could could go back to to, to Mark Lynchy. Yeah, I've got um, a different opinion on that. I think Sam Day's a forward. We've have seen I, him play well in the back line, but we need him to be a forward. And I that's think where he I could think be an option to send back if if things aren't going well. I want to I want to very very quickly mention Craig Cameron just after the draft in November, so way back then. Said, "Yep, we've picked up three three guys in the top six. We've got Lukosius, who's a great forward, but we think maybe he could play back to begin with. And we've got Ben King, who's a great forward, but he's also played back. And we've got those options. So we knew from back then that they didn't know whether they, what they had. And and now it seems to have fallen down in in, in the right in the right order, in my opinion. The mm. next year or two, I think we'll see Luko down back and and Ben King up front. And it could always switch Vicky Verky." Uh, ben King might be the long-term replacement for, for Rory Thompson. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. Okay. All right, well, let's finish off the votes. My three votes went to the player of the, the match, Anthony Miles. Um, yeah, his performance, his pressure in and under contested work. Uh, yeah, you can watch a special highlights package that's on the Suns site at the moment. And it just shows his skill, uh, getting the ball out, getting to good positions. So, and he had a, yeah. a goal as well to add to his um, twenty-one disposals. <laughs> he doesn't get many goals, Miles. He gets a lot of behinds, but good on him. And uh, and it was a, it was. I thought it was great to see uh, him doing well. I didn't give him votes um, for a midfielder. It takes a bit more than than what he gave. Um, I went way out of the box here and gave the third vote, the, the, the third place one vote to Brad Shear, who in his first game of the year came in and, and severely negated um, Jakey Lloyd. And Lloyd Lloyd usually gets 30 touches. He got 16. Lloyd's one of those guys who's tremendous with the ball. He he uh, he really gives them that... that um, that turnaround out of the backfield, and 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 Shear just negated him. It was an interesting role, uh, forward a forward defender. Uh, he got a goal, got a goal out of it. Had us up up and going early. Um, he was never meant to be in the game as a high possession winner, but he still manages to get a few goals. Uh, got a got a, a goal behind and a goal assist. So, you know, he was active in the forward line as well. I wouldn't mind seeing him doing the similar sort of role. Not too sure exactly who he would be on or who he'd be negating, but uh, yeah, no, Brad Shear, well done. Don't think he's necessarily going to be straight back out of the side because he he played a role, and Stewie Jew loves those guys. Maybe he'll be the Nick Holman against Richmond. Yeah, old souls in the chat as well. His uh, looks like his top three is going to Lockie Weller. Uh, Weller had a great game, I thought as well, and he probably deserves the. Uh, Lockie Weller, what a performance! He probably deserves that for the uh, disallowed goal at the end of that game. I do not know how the AFL 
uh, goal review system works anymore. I do. I don't I think do. anyone I found does. Out about it. They, they, I found out a bit about this. Um, the, 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 the reviewers get paid $250 per match. Sounds like a bit of all right. They're not umpires. They're not qualified in any sort of way. They're people who work for the AFL in office jobs or whatever, and they do it for a bit of money for jam. It's a it's a disgrace. It's a, it's a scandal that's building because nobody likes it, and they are they are a joke. So they, they... was was the was the goal umpire's decision a goal? Was it overturned or was it? Umpire's the umpire couldn't see it because it was 50 metres away. So it was the they, they, they looked at it on the vision. And from the vision, apparently, they could see the ball hitting the frigging... Uh, some sort of deviation. It just, well, they, it must have, they must have had different vision to, to what everyone else had. Because yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, footage, you know, that's clear as day. You can't say it was conclusively touched. No. And, uh, yeah, lucky well as unlucky. Yeah, but I mean, by then it was all over. So, so he's just shrugged his shoulders. Um, look, I agree with Old Soul. Weller was a really good player. I just wanted to shine a light on on Sheary. Um, yeah, Weller's been in our best ever since he came back. Um, yeah. I want to say this: Weller had five stoppages, uh, five stoppage clearances, and I spent about probably half the game on the wing, which is where he needs to be. All right. uh, so, hopefully, we can see him actually start on the wing. Uh, instead of instead of pinch hitting there because okay. that's putting him in the midfield. He's not an inside mid, he's an outside mid. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a wrap for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us on the GC Sunscast. We'll be back next week to discuss the Richmond game. We've got uh, former captain Tom Lynch, uh, potentially Prestia as well, and Josh Caddy, three former sons that left in contentious decisions. Uh, and we'll, we'll see how we go, whether we uh, give them a good booing, give them a good showing and thank them for coming or what. <laughs> All right, go Thanks. Suns. Here's I'm predicting. <laughs> go Suns. Meyer Brand Snacks promise the great value you expect with a quality guarantee in every bite. And summertime snacking is our most favorite snacking season of all because Meyer brand makes it deliciously easy. From new lemonade flavors to classic ingredients for backyard s'mores to creamy ice cream varieties like new limited edition purple cow by Meyer Very Berry Americana with ribbons of real strawberry and blueberry swirls waving in creamy vanilla ice cream. Stop into Meyer and discover big taste and bigger savings on Meyer brand summertime snacks. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com.